We're going to receive the tithes and offerings so if the ushers would get ready. So how was the thunder last night? Pretty cool, huh? I was sitting there and I was loving it and I was going to text a friend of mine who hates it. And I thought, nah, I'm loving it. So I was loving it. And I was thinking, man, this is so powerful. And then I said, of course it's powerful. God created it. And when I read Psalms, all through Psalms, in fact, you'll see over and over the, um, a verse that says, declare the glory of the Lord. So every time I went, boom, I went, declare the glory of the Lord. This is so awesome. And I got to thinking about all of us. Do you know that everything that we do declares his glory? Because basically when we declare the glory of the Lord, we're letting people know that he's all-powerful, that he's always present, that he's good, that he's loving, that he's kind, that he's righteous, that he's forgiving. And so everything that we do declares his glory. In fact, right now, this very moment, there are people in our children's ministry who are serving and loving our kids that are declaring the glory of the Lord. If you look behind us, there are people who are running the camera and the sound, the um, piano, the band. Um, they're running the service. They're declaring the glory of the Lord. Information center, the kitchen, the resource center, the maintenance. They're all declaring the glory of the Lord. Because when we declare God's glory, what we're doing is reminding people of how good, how powerful, and how righteous he is. But at the same time, we're giving people that opportunity, not just to see his goodness, but to respond. To be able to make a decision like, you know what? I want a relationship with this God. I want a relationship with a God who's good, with a God who's kind, with a God who's righteous. And so that's what we get to do. When we bring our resources to him, we're declaring his glory by trusting him and by saying that everything I have comes ultimately from you. So I give back out of faith and out of trust and obedience. And in that, Lord God, I declare your glory. Now, if you're visiting here for the first time, you don't have to give. It's something you can do if you want to, but it's not required. If you're from another church, we understand that your tithes go there. But if New Hope is your home church or your heart beats with what's happening here, then we get to partner with everybody that's in this room together. We get to declare his glory. We get to give him our resources. We get to trust him to take those and to extend his love and his mercy. Would you bow your heads and let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you are a good, loving, kind, righteous, and holy God. Thank you for your presence in our life. And Lord, we choose to declare your glory in everything that we do and in everything that we say. And so, Lord, as we bring our resources to you, as we obey you with our tithes and as we trust you with our offerings, would you receive them, Lord? And would you extend it and express your goodness to a world that needs to know that there's a God who loves them? So we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're starting a new series today. It's called Hunger and Thirst No More. And today we'll be talking about being immersed. And for some of us that are going to make a decision to be baptized today, we're going to practice that. And so when you came in, you're given a bulletin. You can take that out. And in there are some notes. Or some of you use our church app, and that'll help you to follow along. And at the same time, in this series that we're kicking off, Hunger and Thirst No More, we understand what it means to hunger. We understand what it means to thirst. And we live in a world that is filled with things, right? Things that satisfy us for a moment, but then eventually it kind of fades away. We try to possess things and we have things and we, it satisfies us just for a moment. Like the brand new car, or even moving into a new home and things like that. It lasts for a while, but then after, after some time, it slowly subsides. In the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus said it like this, and he was, he was talking to a group of people, 
Some were farmers, some were educators, and uh, some were just the common people that were uh, in their day. And he said this. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, this tells me that there is a way to be filled, and there is also a way to not be filled. And then in order for us to be filled, that means it is not of this world. I think we've tried, and sometimes we're still there, we try to fill our lives with things of the world so that we'd be satisfied, but then we figure out later that we're still empty. It's like eating. Have you ever eaten a meal that it's so good, and then you're so full, and then dessert comes, and you don't have room for dessert? I mean, we make room. You know, we just we make it happen. But we don't have the room. We're like so full. We're even thirsty, but we can't even drink water because we're so full. What Jesus was saying is that's kind of like what it is spiritually. See, when you eat and you're so full that you can't eat anything else, first of all, we should eat dessert first. If you're a dessert fanatic, like we should learn by now. Because then you can pack up the food and eat it later if it's, you know, if you have leftover. But then after you're full and you cannot breathe and you pass out because you're so full, does that mean your meal is you, you never eat again? No. 20 minutes later, you're like, oh, I'm so hungry. Or maybe not 20 minutes later. Well, for some of you, 20 minutes later. For some of us, 20 minutes later. But usually it's an hour or two or some hours after that. You're hungry again. Why? Because your, your, your body, our physical body, takes in food only for a moment. It's temporary. And what Jesus was saying is just like how it is with food that fills you for a moment and then your hunger again is just how it is in the world. You're going to try to fill your life up with things that are temporary, but then eventually you're going to need it again. You're going to need it again. And if our identity and what fills us is things of the world, then we're always going to have to grab things and have more and acquire more in order for us to feel like we're satisfied. And Jesus says, you actually have it backwards. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, not worldly things, righteousness, they shall be filled. It's because of who I am that I'm the one that's going to fill you. And so I think together we can understand why Jesus would say, you shall be filled. Because everything in the world is just temporary. You know, all that we do here, we always say it here at our church, that everything we do has an eternal value to it. Even for, I think we mentioned this the other week, we are doing live streaming right now, uh, live every service, every Sunday, and we're testing it. So those of you who are online, we welcome you. And at the same time, we're testing it. So if things are a little bit, you know, uneasy, we're, we're getting there. But we're, we're doing this online uh, live streaming for the purpose of inviting people to church. Because some people would say, oh, good thing got live streamed. Now I can stay home. That's not the point. You're missing the point. The whole purpose of having live streaming is not so that we stay home, because that wouldn't be church. Church are us. It's the people. We do, we do live stream for just in case you get sick and you are at home, or if you're not doing well for a season and maybe you need to take care of someone at home, you can view online. 
Or if you're inviting someone and they say, I don't know if I want to go, say, tell them, watch live stream, just go online, and it's from beginning to end. So from when we worship till the ending, everything is broadcasted. And it'll just give them an idea of what we do here. It's kind of like watching sports on TV, which is online, and then being live at a game. It's much different. So that's why we say the online is, is so that we can get a glimpse of what our church is like for those of you who are inviting people, as well as for those who may not be able to make it here, not, going, uh, not feeling well or whatever it is. But when we're live here, much different. God created us as the body of Christ to connect with each other in person. There's a different dynamic that takes place. That's why we say everything we do has an eternal value to it. That's what Jesus was trying to tell the people. He's saying, when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, the reason you're filled is because there's an eternal value connected to it. In the book of Ecclesiastes, God says that he, is, that he put eternity in the heart of man. In other words, you and I are created not just for this world, but for all of eternity. And the only thing that will satisfy our soul is not temporary things, because we're not created for temporary time only. We're created for eternity. So he says, the only thing that's going to fill you is my spirit because my spirit is eternal. And when it connects with your eternal spirit, therefore, then you shall be filled. This was the picture that Jesus was painting for the people. And that's the picture he wants us to see. He wants us to realize that in the world, there are going to be temporary things. That by the time you're filled up with all these temporary, temporary things, it's like being filled up with a meal. You don't, have time, you don't have room for dessert. He's saying if you fill your life up with all these temporary things, by the time I try to come into your life, there's no room. How often I've heard people say, oh, why do I need God? I have everything. I got a good job. I have a good career. I have, my family is doing well. I have money. Why do I need God? And the scary thing about that is because we think we need God for things. But in reality, we need God to fulfill the void that is on the inside. Otherwise, we keep chasing after things, and then in the end, of course, always coming up empty because it'll never fill us in our soul. And only Jesus can do that. He's saying, don't hunger and thirst for the things of this world. Hunger and thirst for righteousness because that's where you're going to be filled. Everything else is just passing through. It's temporary. See, when you're immersed in something, that's why we want to talk about being immersed in Christ. When you're immersed in something, it's like you have focus. When you're immersed, you immerse yourself in a classroom, you immerse yourself in the studying, in the, in the teaching, and in taking notes. You're immersed in it. You're, you're, you're focused. When you're immersed in your relationship, in your marriage, you're doing everything to make sure your marriage stays strong. And then everything else is, is, is secondary. But you're so focused. That's why as teenagers, when they fall in love and they're immersed in that relationship, like nothing else matters. They're like floating every day. It's like, where are you going? I'm going off to school. Like, why are you so happy? Oh, no reason. That's because they immerse themselves in that relationship. And what God is saying is when you immerse yourself in something, you're so focused that everything else becomes secondary. It's not in your notes, but Matthew 6, is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, then everything else can be added unto you. 
Why is that so? Because when we're seeking first his kingdom and, and his righteousness, then our focus is on him. We're immersed in him and nothing else can distract us or take us away from who he is. This is who Christ calls us to be, immersed in him. That means he has all of us, that we're immersed in Christ. Immersed means to plunge or sunk in or as if in liquid. With a biology term, being immersed is like an organ that's immersed in our body. It's submerged. And where it's, where it's filled. And for some of us, that's an indication of saying, I need to be immersed in Christ. Because I'm, sometimes I feel like I'm separate. Sometimes I feel like I'm not as, as, uh, as, as clean because there are certain things that I've done in my past, so I need to be immersed in Christ. That's what water baptism is all about. It's a symbolization of us going under the water, being submerged, inundated, baptized, coming up out of the water, being immersed in the water, coming back up brand new, like refreshed, cleansed. It's a public confession saying, now I believe in, I'm letting everyone know I believe in Jesus. Before that, the prayer of salvation is like between us and the Lord. And he cleanses us from all of our sin. And then when we get baptized, it's that physical representation of what we did spiritually. And now everyone sees it. And something of righteousness takes place when we're water baptized. That's why Jesus got baptized himself. John the Baptist was saying, I, don't, I, I shouldn't be baptizing you. you. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus said, no, no, permit it to be so to fulfill all righteousness. Some of you are thinking about being baptized and, and maybe you've already gotten water baptized when you were small or, or whatever it would be. And, but now you're at an age where you're thinking, you know what, I, I, I think God wants me to be water baptized. Then obey him. Some of us never got water baptized. We, we have not gotten water baptized, but we've been walking with the Lord for decades. And we're thinking, I don't want to get baptized because people are going to be like, really, you didn't get baptized and you've been like a Christian for 40 years? But don't listen to that side. Just listen to the part where God says, you're going to be baptized. Yeah, but nope, don't have, you don't need any other reason except because God said so. And because God said so, this is why we're going to make this decision. And when we're water baptized and we come up, it's like, a, like you're, you're starting fresh. It's like God giving you a brand new clean slate. Something of righteousness takes place. You're submerged. You're immersed in the water. That's the picture Jesus wants us to have when he says hunger and thirst for righteousness. For then you will be filled because you're immersed in me. When my children were younger and they would take a bath, you know, when they're, because they're sweaty all day, right? They're playing and playing and playing. And we live in Hilo, so it's, it's humid. So they, they go outside for a little while. They're already sweaty. But by the end of the day, especially if your children play sports, they don't smell. They're rancid. It's just a, it's a different, it's not odor, it's like odor. It's just like it jumps on you. It stays in your car. It clings to your roof in your car. It's just a different scent. So when our children come in, we say, get in the shower, go take a bath. And then they come out like two minutes later. And then we're like, you need to take a bath. I did take a bath. Then what do we say? Let me smell your head. First of all, that's a dangerous move. You got to come in slowly. You can't just come in and you got you to go slow. 
Go from like far and just kind of waft it in a little bit. Don't just, you know, breathe it in with the follicles. You don't want to go that deep. You just start off slow because you're testing to see if they took a shower good. That's what it is. And sometimes like half hair wet, half hair dry, you're like, I know. So I ain't even doing the smell test. You just, I trust you didn't take a shower. And what we normally notice is that they did not immerse themselves in the shower. They did not shampoo their hair with every single strand with soap. They do like the top and let it kind of bleed down and they're like, why well, soap wouldn't touch my body? It's like, no, you have to bathe good. In other words, you have to immerse yourself in the shower. Bathe well. <laughs> I'm just thinking of, you're laughing. I'm like, your kids too smell like that? Yeah, all our kids. Even still today and they're 30. <laughs> or 24. Better spread it out because I get two boys. They can tease each other. Think about it. When we're immersed in something, it's like it's all of us. So when we're immersed in Christ, it's all of us. It's not just Sunday. It's not just one day of the week. It's not just reading the Bible. It's my whole life, Lord. I want to immerse my life in you. See, being immersed in Christ has incredible benefits. We benefit from this. We, we win being immersed in Christ. It's a blessing to have a life in Jesus. Not just knowing him or about him, but being immersed in him. And we're going to look at three benefits Here's the first thing. When you're immersed in Jesus, he becomes our resource. It, it, it's, it's him. It's not what he does for us or what he gives to us. Yes, he'll take care of us, but he is the ultimate resource. When my son Justin was younger, maybe like eight years old, he's playing outside with his friends, and he comes into the house because it was a hot day. He says, Dad, we have Otter Pops. I said, Otter Pops? Yeah, we just bought Otter Pops. He goes, can I have some? Like five. I'm like, five? You can have one. He goes, no, but my friends, my friends want. I said, sure. So he takes some out and he plays outside. He comes back in. He says, Dad, can I have some more? I said, what? He says, yeah, we're done. I said, you got to ease up, buddy. You can't eat them all one day. He goes, yeah, yeah, okay. So he takes some out, comes back in. And he says, hey, we want some more. I said, no, that's enough for today. He goes, but my friends want. I'm like, buy their own. Just, <laughs> this, is not, this is not Costco. I said, and you're taking all the blue ones. That's daddy's one. Don't take the blue. That's mine. This is, this is our family's one. Yes, you can share with your friends, but you got you to gotta take it easy. Now, in his mind, he keeps telling me, but there's like hundreds of them in there because there's a box in there. You know, you buy them by like bulk. And so I told him, I said, but that's, that will run out. In his mind, they have Otter Pops for days. He thought that he could just keep eating and eating and eating. Now, I'm not the resource. Although he keeps coming to me, that box to him was the resource. When it comes to Jesus being our resource, first of all, he never runs out. He never runs out of love. He never runs out of joy. He never runs out of peace. He is always patient with us. He is always kind and gentle. He is not easily angered towards us. That never runs out with Christ. If you want a list of who Christ is, go to Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. That's who he is. Or 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's who he is. And he never runs out of love. 
and all the fruit of the Spirit. He never runs out. Therefore, he can be our resource. So if you're in a relationship, if you're at work, if you're with people, and your patience is running dry, your love is running out, you're no longer kind and anger takes the best of you, if, if that's happening, then you've got to go back to Jesus because he's the resource. He's going to resource us for all of the things that we should be and could be in his spirit. And when he becomes your resource, you may not have much, but you never worry about being without because he's the provider. We're the recipients of God's blessings He's the one that provides for us. When he becomes our resource, you may not have the nicest things, but you realize that nice things don't define you anyway. He's the resource. And when he becomes your resource, then giving becomes the highest form of living. You give love. You give kindness. You give generously with, with your affection towards people and your compassion. It's not just a financial thing. It's, it's who God made us to be in this world. And it never runs out. If it starts running out, go back to Jesus because he's our resource. That's why Philippians 4.19 tells us, and my God shall supply all your need. But then it continues. And here's how it's supplied. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It's not according to us, how well we do. It's according to him and how good he is. See, we worry less and trust more because he supplies us. Not only are we blessed because he becomes our resource, but the second thing is that he fills us with life. He fills our life up. See, what, what, what you fill a container with is not the issue if it belongs in that container. If it belongs in that container, that's not the issue. Because there are certain liquids that belong in certain containers. Let's, let's take a look at this. This first container, what belongs in that? Milk. You're not going to put liquid nitrogen in that. Your cereal is going to turn cold. Or it may not even last in that. What belongs in this? Orange juice. You don't want to put anything else in there lest you, your family members go to the refrigerator, open it up, and drink and then it's turpentine. You don't put turpentine in Minute Maid. Okay, what's the next one? Now this one, what belongs in that? Ice cream. Right, not Lilikoi extract. Because that happened to me one time. I was so bummed. I was like, why are they using this container that's supposed to have ice cream, and they put like Lilikoi juice in it, or, or some type of other thing, or like frozen vegetables that's that's like the worst prank ever it's the worst nightmare ever it should be a sin <laughs> okay what's the next one gasoline what belongs in the gas can yeah gasoline you don't put water in that you, if you put water in that and you try to fill your tank later yeah something bad is going to happen these containers are built specifically for specific things and so it is with us. God builds us in such a way we're his containers. And therefore, specific things should go in. And the one thing he says is to fill your life with him. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you shall be filled. We're his container. And in order for us to reach our fullest potential or our max capacity, we will need to be filled with the right stuff. That's why John 10.10 10 tells us that the thief comes 
only, like this is his only objective, this is his only purpose, his only objective is to steal, kill, and destroy. He has no other options. This is what he does. He steals, kills, and destroys. And then Jesus said, but this is why I came. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Like, it'll overflow. Now, when you come to Jesus, there's this this new life that comes in, and it begins to overflow. Why does it overflow? It's because we're supposed to be a blessing. Having Jesus in our life is not just for us. It's supposed to overflow. Why? Because there's an abundant life that takes place. And now the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of that now overflows out of our life. Once that stops, we have to come back to, have, have I been robbed by the enemy? Did he, did he still kill or destroy any part of my life? And if that's so, go back to Jesus because he came that we might have life and have life more abundantly. He fills us to overflowing. He keeps that life going. That's the benefit we receive, that he fills us with his life. I think for some of us today, maybe when you walked in, you felt drained of life. Maybe you've even said it. You may have even said it to someone that, boy, I just, I feel so tired. Like you're tired of being tired. Like you just got no more left in you. There's no more strength, no more vision for life. You just feel drained, empty, tired, fatigued, and you just don't know what it is. It could very well be that you got robbed by the devil and forgot that Jesus is the one that fills us with life. And it's a life that is abundant. It spills and it overflows so when Jesus gives us life and it's, over, and it's overflowing and it's abundant, then it goes into our marriage, goes into our children, our loved ones, our coworkers, people that we come in contact with, people that we have not even met. That's why we're doing this Nick Vujicic thing because it's our heart with, for our family and friends in the hopes that they come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's why it's a six-night event. It's like we don't want to miss any night. If someone says, I can't make it Thursday, what about Friday? Can't make it Friday. What about Tuesday? Tuesday I can. We want to give everyone an opportunity. Why? Because that's the life God promised for all of us. He gives us life. And then the last benefit we get is that he sustains us. There's something that God does that keeps us going. He sustains our life. He's the author of life. He's the one that breathes life into our soul. And so now he strengthens us, he supports us, he upholds us, he comforts us. Why? Because life is too much for us. There's just too much happening in life for us to kind of handle it ourselves and to hold up life. God says there's just too much in life for you to handle by yourself, so I'm going to help you. I'm going to support you, and I will sustain your life. He can do that because he is the giver of life. So I Psalm 55, verse 22 tells us to cast our burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. See, when you cast your burden on him, he sustains you and will never let the righteous be shaken. Notice he says righteous. What that means is that he'll sustain us, but if we start doing things that are unrighteous, things that are against him or things that are 
in the Bible that we, that we come against or not live by, that we do suffer consequences. But if you're living righteously for him, he says, I'll sustain you. You won't be shaken. You will have a firm foundation. He'll sustain us. But we still need to cooperate with him. I mean, my son Jordan, who's 24 now, when he was born, like, he didn't like me. You know when you have children, sometimes they gravitate more towards one parent or the other? Yeah, he just, he just didn't want me. Like, I would carry him and he would push off of me. And he would want mommy. So Heidi would need to carry him. And every time I would try to carry him, he'd squirm and then he'd push away from me. I was like, bro, you like, act like that. I ain't paying for your college. <laughs> you know, this. so I would hold on to him. And, and he just kept pushing off of me. And then after a while, then, of course, then he liked me. It took like seven years. But then after, then the relationship got better. But I remember him just keep pushing off of me, and, and he, didn't, he didn't want me. So I liken that to how we can be sometimes with God, that God wants to hold us, but we push away from God. And I don't know for what reason. We all have different reasons. We could be angry at God, frustrated with God, uh, displeased with God. We could have all these reasons, but we keep pushing away from God, and God is saying, but I want to sustain you. Yeah, but if, if you wanted to sustain me, this wouldn't have happened. This wouldn't have happened. And so we have these reasons, but God is saying, no, but I, I, I want to hold you through this season. Yeah, but didn't you cause this to happen? It's because of you that this happened and this took place, and God is saying, no. But I will sustain you through it all. If there's a discipline that we're going through, God will sustain us. If there's a correcting thing that God is doing, he'll still sustain us. If there are difficulties that we're going through, God will sustain us. Some of us are reading in the book of Job right now in our devotions. And boy, the book of Job is just like, I don't ever want to go through what Job went through. But how's Job's friends giving him advice? And Job did nothing wrong. He's like telling, they're telling Job, hey, it's because you did this, 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 and this. And they forgot that it wasn't his circumstances that sustained him. It was God who sustained him. And we can forget that too as believers, that it's God who sustains us. But we got to hang on to him. Don't push away. My grandson Oakley, on the other hand, he's five. And when I pick him up, he just goes limp. Like no help at all. It's like, bro, give me some inertia. Like, like help Papa. Like when I grab him, he just... I got to pick him up. Then when I put him on my shoulder, he just, he just stays there. And I got to arch my back. I have to have like a 17-degree angle so that his head doesn't flop around. And I'll hold him and I'll talk to him. And he doesn't need me to talk to him. He's just like lying on my shoulder. I'm like, Oakley, you got to help Papa out. Just like put an arm around me, something. Like show, show me some kind of effort. Just hang on. Because if I were to let him go, he would drop. Like I want to test, but... If I test, then that's easy failure. But he, he, just, he just hangs on by just resting. And I thought that's a clear picture of us resting in God, yet at the same time, he still wants us to put our arm around him. He still wants us to be in his relationship with him. We cast our cares on him. We come to him. And we rest on him. But it does feel good as a dad or a grandfather 
when our child just at least puts one arm around. At least one. I don't ever want to be a one-sided or in a one-sided relationship with God. I want, I want to do something. I want to let God know that I'm in this relationship. I want to be immersed in Him. To let Him know that I, I, I want to cooperate. Because when that happens, I shall not be shaken. I want to be immersed in Christ. I, I, I want to understand what it means when Jesus is my resource, when God resources me that he fills me with life, that he sustains my life because we're all going to go through life. doesn't matter if you're a believer or an unbeliever. Life is life. But the difference is when you are immersed in Christ, he is the author and perfecter of our faith. So he sustains us through it all. And when we come out on the other end of our life and we enter into eternity, we're going to look back on these times and say, Lord God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the relationship that I had with you. I am grateful that I immersed myself in you and not in the world. The Bible tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then everything else can be added. In other words, when we're so immersed in Jesus, nothing will distract us from who he is. I pray that today you and I become more and more immersed in Christ. Amen. Let's do that today. You can close your Bibles, put away your notes. I'm going to invite Glenn up to the keyboard. And like I said earlier, today is water baptism. And I want to give you an opportunity for those of you who have never said yes to Jesus. And maybe you've been checking things out. Maybe you've been thinking things through. Maybe you've been uh, just contemplating giving your life to Jesus, but there's, there are certain reasons why you're not. And, and whatever it may be, Maybe you have doubts or maybe you're afraid or maybe you have fears of, but what if I give my life to Jesus, then what would my life look like? I can tell you this. I'm glad I gave my life to Jesus because he, he was able to take care of what shouldn't be in my life and was able to add in what should be in my life. But that only happens when we immerse ourselves in him. And today I'm going to give you a prayer to pray, and it's a prayer of salvation if you've never said yes to Jesus. And what this prayer is all about is saying yes to this relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not a religious decision, it's a relational one. And saying, I want to have this relationship with you, God, and it happens through Jesus because Jesus is the one who gave his life for you and I, died for our sins so that we could be purified to stand before a perfect God. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that we can gather together and pray to you. You've given us your one and only Son in Jesus Christ that because of this sacrifice of the life of Jesus, we have eternal life. And so as we pray this prayer, it's a prayer of what we call salvation. Lord, thank you for offering this free gift of eternal life. And if you're here today and you're saying, I, I want Jesus in my heart, I want to pray the prayer, I want to immerse my life in the life of Christ, I, I'm excited to see what's going to take place in my life. I know that the Bible promises a future and a hope, so I want to give my life to Jesus. And if that's you and you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm, I'm going to ask you to boldly lift the hand real briefly and you're saying, I want to give my heart to Jesus today, my life. Yeah, God sees your hand. 
Absolutely. It's the best decision that you'll ever make. Yeah, okay. Be bold. Yeah, God sees your hand. He says, if you're not ashamed of me, I will never be ashamed of you. Okay, yeah, God sees your hand too. It's a bold step. Yeah, God sees you too. Okay, back there, God sees you right here. Okay, right here. God sees you. God sees you too. He knows you by name. He knows your heart. He knows your every prayer. And he knows your future. And it's a hopeful one. You can put your hands down. I think for all of us, even as believers, we can pray this prayer because God is the sustainer of all life. And so as we pray this, even though you may have said this prayer 10 times, mean it with all your heart. It's a reassurance of what we've prayed maybe years ago, but that God continues to sustain us. And here's our prayer. You can re repeat after me and include your heart. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the grave to give me a future and a hope. I believe in you. I trust you. I give you my life in exchange for yours. In Jesus' name I pray. And Lord, that's our prayer today. Thank you, Lord, for always, always sustaining our life, for filling us afresh with your spirit. Today is water baptism, Lord, and I, and I pray for those who just said yes to you that you would press upon their heart their next step, which is water baptism. So once again, thank you for being a good God. Thank you for breathing us to life today. We pray this in Jesus' precious and powerful name, and we all said together, amen. Can we welcome these who said yes to Jesus this morning into the kingdom of God? It's a wonderful decision, and that one decision is your best decision. And in fact, at the end of service, we have a yes packet for you. And in that yes packet is a Bible with some uh, reading material. It's a free gift from us to you. It'll help you with your walk with Jesus. Uh, and then also for some of you, you were asking about our Israel trip next year. Uh, you can still sign up because we have meetings to help with the process of it. And then, of course, to save on finances. So we want to uh, let you know about that and what's taking place. So you can go to the information center and just say, I want to sign up for the Israel trip next year. Or if you just need information, sign up and come to the meeting, then you'll get a better idea of what that sounds like and what it looks like, okay?